Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. My name is Andy Libson. Again, today we're joined by Kenny Zapeda and Jessica. Um, we are online at what-s-left.webnode.com. You can find the link to our blog in the episode notes. Please, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episodes and jot down your, our information wherever you found this episode. Um, and as you can see, today we are joined by a uh, regular contributor to What's Left, John Kleisick, who I usually call Jake, so don't get confused if some people say John, some people say Jake. But John Kleisick is the author of School World Order, Technocratic Globalization of Corporatized Education, and is a frequent contributor to Unlimited Hangout. Um, and today we're going to be talking about one of his articles. Before I talk about that article, or his most recent article uh, for Unlimited Hangout, I want to welcome you here, Jake. That's good to be back. It's been a little while, right? It has been a little while, and we're hoping that we can maybe have you on like almost like a monthly basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably more doable. I've been, you know, sort of overloaded and trying to juggle everything, so weekly became a little, little difficult. So yeah, let's go. For, let's try for monthly. <laughs> right. Um, I haven't said hi, so hey, good to see you. Hey, 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 hey. Doing good. I'm glad to see you here again. You know, oh, incredible. Yeah, good to see. You. Good to see you guys here. Okay, so uh, today we're going to discuss um, one of Jake's recent articles, um, and as you can see here, it's entitled "Barbara Marx Hubbard, Godmother of Transhumanism and Synthetic Spirituality." Uh, the late Barbara Hubbard, a Rockefeller-funded New Age guru, was critical to the development of the ideas, beliefs, and technology necessary to market transhumanism as spiritual enlightenment. And I want to read the first two paragraphs because I think Jake does a pretty good job summarizing. At least most of this article, I think people who are listening, I hope they read this article and see what, you know, we're going to discuss it. Um, but here's kind of what, what the background is to this, which is in 2016, the Global Future, Future Councils of the World Economic Forum posted a video entitled Eight Predictions for the World in 2030, which infamously forecasted a technocratic new world order in which you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. It doesn't take a stretch of the imagination to ponder how uh, WEF oligarchs plan to roll out sustainable development policies, which will ration consumer goods in a global sharing economy that employs transient gig workers who will be rendered into propertyless serfs under a techno-communitarian rendition of neo-feudalism. But how will the globalist technocrats of the WEF sway the virtual peasant class to be happy with their permanent state of digitally indentured servitude? First off, Jake, that is a great summary of what is going on. So I think that that's a perfect paragraph for some of the things that worry us. But here's the next party talks about. Enter New Age guru Barbara Marks Hubbard and her endorsement of the Heart Math Institute Global Coherence Initiative, which is propagating transhumanist neurofeedback variables across the planet in order to digitally synchronize humanity's collective heart rhythms and brainwaves into electronically induced states of synthetic spiritual bliss. With Hubbard's transhumanist blessings, HeartMath's global neurotech network is primed to lull plebs and proles into happy compliance with the new normal of the fourth industrial revolution's techno-feudal stakeholder economy. So that's a lot of stuff there, Jake. First of all, is there anything else you'd like to say just about, about the article? Um, maybe, first of all, why, why you thought it was important to write, and then anything, any more background that you think is important? Um, well, I wrote it 
just because I, you know, I guess I kind of wanted to take a break from education technology stuff. And so I asked Whitney if she wanted me to maybe switch it up a little bit. And did she have maybe a topic that something that she would like covered? Uh, and so she sent me some quotes from Barbara Marks Hubbard, um, one of which is not in there, but it, it's, it's a, a radically Malthusian quote. It uh, has something to do with something to the effect of, you know, as we shift our consciousness into the into the new age that you know we'll need to get rid of a very large portion of people uh and she had sort of mentioned that you know she was connected to some of the people that i've already written about and researched about so you know she's a person that's uh, she being hovered is a person that's rockefeller funded um and you know is is basically a transhumanist and so it, it dovetailed with a lot of my other research and uh you know my book covers skull and bones and some of the occult nature of sort of the uh secret society influence on the development of transhumanism so you know in terms of her new age kind of uh which you might call a cult sort of spirituality that sort of dovetail with it as well so that's just sort of the background on it uh is there anything else in terms of context uh no i think i think that's i think we could just kind of roll with it from here what i want to start with is actually Jessica, if you want to start, or Kenny, you want to start. We all read, I think we all read the article. What were some impressions or thoughts you had of it? Yeah, I mean, um, so it's interesting to see the the connections, you know, of people um, in, because like on the surface, you know, someone like uh, Barbara, sounds like a kooky person, you know, like for, for an outsider, a French person, right? That's what we would use as mo in modern terms. Uh, but then, you know, the more I read the article, I started seeing the connections when you bring the Rockefellers in it and, and then like how that web just expands and in this worldview, um, it's not just a Finch thing, you know, it, it actually is very much part of the, um, like the ecosystem that makes and runs the world, dictates the world. Uh, and so... Again, that was the biggest thing to take away, like how, how, how much bigger of an influence it has than a French group. You know, it, it is actually very well and alive in people who shape society, you know, like the Rockefellers. And, and so that was the biggest uh, takeaway for me. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, I was thinking a lot throughout this about, yeah, just sort of how I feel um in terms of like okay like how much actual influence does this person really have in the world like who is who's listening to her because I mean obviously 95% of the stuff that she says is batshit crazy but then like Jake illuminates all of this you know Rockefeller funding and all of the connections and just like the the people that she's hanging around with and having, you know, both, you know, personal and business relationships. Um, I think that like, just hearing you reread the first paragraph, Andy, um, that last question, you know, how will the globalist technocrats at the WF sway the virtual peasant class to be happy with their, um, you know, their servitude. I think, you know, I just, hearing that again it comes back to that idea of consent and like they do on some level like require the consent of the public um to carry out like whether it's this crazy like planetary transhumanist dystopia or if it's you know something 
smaller and, um, you know, like some of the destructive policies we've seen the past few years. Um, so I guess, um, yeah, I was just kind of thinking a lot about um, what does it mean to like be able to influence a population. Um, and I also was then just thinking like, how do these people get to be the way that they are? That's <laughs> another just question on my mind. Um, because it, I mean, it's like every one of these elite ruling class technocrats or transhumanists or CEOs or whatever, it's like you start digging into them. And, and I mean, all of them, like they're just straight eugenicists, just um, really like something's wrong with them. And so I was just kind of thinking a lot about like just human psychology and, um, yeah, and obviously they're thinking a lot about human psychology too, in terms of how to exploit it and manipulate it. And um, yeah, and then I just was I, I kind of segueing from last week. Like last week, I think I was kind of spinning out over a lot of the like ritualistic aspects of the stuff that Allison was talking about, and just these like spiritual like inversions or perversions, um, and just how pervasive that is um like so much more than I ever would have thought a couple years ago um it's just like they're all like whether it's a cult or spirituality or it's just it seems like just really pervasive so yeah those are a couple of scattered impressions yeah oh I sorry can I say one more thing yeah I also want to hear like either Jake or anybody like can someone define new age because like I mean I've I've been called new age like by people in the past and I it's just like I don't know she's kind of like this you know mascot or whatever for the new age movement but I'm curious like if are there other kind of sectors of that or like I, I would just yeah I would like to kind of have a clearer definition of that well yeah so let me just uh let me just so new age is is kind of a vague term that's hard to pin down, right? Because, um, you know, you can sort of, you can, you can sort of identify maybe primarily as almost any one of the world's religion and be sort of new age in your sort of interpretation. I, I guess the best way to, to define it in, in, as, in as much as it's possible to, you know, sort of encapsulate it in something that's cohesive uh, would be it's basically a, a what's called a syncretic or a syncretist approach to sort of synthesizing all the, the world religions. So syncretism was what the, the Romans would do when they would go in, they would, you know, encounter a new culture and, you know, they'd have their battles and conquer it or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, oh they got a god of, of uh, war as well. So that's, they call it whatever, but, you know, it's we're, we'll just say that it's the same thing, you know, whether it's the Greek uh, Aries or the Roman Mars or, you know, whatever the Vedics had for this, the same, uh, you know, and then how it relates to the planets. It, they just sort of said, well, we're talking about the same thing. We're using different names. Um, so that's one way to, to sort of uh, define it. Um, but I would also say that it's there's, there's sort of. Um, what I, what I might call the Gnosticism. So in other words, uh, some of the tenets of Gnosticism is that 
There's a heavy emphasis on secret knowledge. There's an emphasis on this world being sort of a, a prison to escape from. And then there's sort of an emphasis on this achieving some higher consciousness or higher vibration. Uh, sometimes they refer to um, it as becoming an ascended master. And so that's where, you know, if you're a Christian, you become the ascended master, you achieve Christ consciousness. If you're, if you come from a Buddhist bent and you achieve, you, you become the fifth Buddha or, and they have their own little sort of Messiah named uh, Maitreya is one that's like, like new age proper. But I know I just threw a bunch of stuff around, but sort of, so if I can synthesize it, basically it's sort of this, it's a it's a it's a spiritual sort of milieu that sort of tries to combine all the world's religions and the way that you practice it is by uh trying to achieve some higher ascending consciousness by breaking out of the prison of the material world through secret knowledge and when we talk about secret knowledge now the, the, you know this is the definition of a cult right a cult is actually a term that refers to right? The, the phases of the moon, which just means when, when it's occult and it's hidden. So it's, if it's hidden, it's secret, okay, et cetera. And a lot of it traces back to like something called theosophy. And if you, you know, and if you look at the sort of the, some of the tributaries of theosophy, we're also getting into some of the, the mystery schools, the ancient mystery schools, some of which uh, are sort of uh, combined into Masonic spirituality as well. You know, I don't I don't know that I made that any clearer in terms of the, the definition, but uh I at least identified some elements that make something new age, right? But you know, somebody could be you could you could come at it from all these different angles and you could look very different in your approach to it, I guess, if that makes sense. It almost sounds to me that you know it's like a a relationship of the old, you know, worldviews and understanding and modernity, you know, in some way or like an actual actualization of, you know, the old stuff. And yeah, that's at least what sense I get. Yeah. And to sort of, to like sort of emphasize like, okay, so, so in terms of how you'd come at it from different angles, like maybe some new age type people might want to try to achieve this higher vibration by like through like psychedelics. Another might just be like meditation. Another might want to practice ritual magic. Another one might, you know, just need to go to some like human potential seminars and, you know, through Maslow's psychology of self-actualization, right? Uh, another might, you know, go through some uh, approach of like, you know, asceticism, or like denying yourself, right? You know, like fasting and things like that, right? So all these, you know, it could be, especially if you just want to focus on one of those, right? You might look like you're practicing different things, but you're trying to get to, right, basically it's sort of this old world, old world sort of uh, spiritual higher consciousness. And so that's, uh, yeah. One more thing I might note is that, and I had a lot of people that like were Gnostic and maybe new age that uh, they didn't like that. I sort of, I guess they, they argued that I over conflated Gnosticism generally with uh, Barbara Mark Hubbard's sort of interpretation of it and how it uh, relates to transhumanism. And there was a lot of new agers and a lot of Gnostic people that, uh, argued that, you know, we're not, we're against transhumanism in the sense that we're against merging with technology. They're not against 
reaching the higher consciousness, uh, they just don't want to use technology to do it. Whereas, I guess another branch of this new age thing would be instead of you know using psychedelics or meditation or magic or whatever, you would use technology. And and there, I guess there's a group. There's at least a group or groups of new agers that reject that as an approach. So she's not really like co-opting or like perverting the new age movement. Like she really like does represent it in your view. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, at the, at the, at the bottom line, like, I guess I would, another way to say that is, you know, um, maybe, you know, maybe you might approach it in a very similar way, or you like a lot of what she says as a, as a new age person. And, you know, you might see in some of her rhetoric, good intentions, and you might have good intentions yourself. But I would argue that if you follow that path, like, you know, it's where it goes. And then it's really, really, you know, the only argument that I'm receiving, you know, is that whether or not technology should be part of it. Right. But I mean, in one way or another, you know, the end game, the end idea is that what we are now as human beings needs to be over. We need, there needs to be a new age of new humans. Right. And, you know, whether you want to call those transhumans that are cyborgs or some other sort of, you know, we just have a, a higher consciousness and that makes us behave differently somehow, whatever that, whatever that means, uh, you know, you, you're still on, you know, to use her, Hubbard's language, you're still on an evolutionary sort of trajectory, right? And so, you know, I would say that, yeah, I mean, and if you just look at, you know, the institutions that, she was connected to who who promoted her some of her uh, you know mentors um, you know she she was connected to you know a, a lot of you know some of the most prominent new age people and they and they all if you if you just dig around enough and you when you just do the research you'll come around to these circles over and over again and they're all talking the same stuff right I mean the only difference might be again, to what extent do you want to emphasize technology? But, you know, that's, yeah, I would say, yes, that, that, that she represents the new age and, you know, that's where it goes, you know, whether you have good intentions for it or not, that's, you know, that's my assessment. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, in some ways, I think the bringing up the new age is actually where I was going to start because um, I've never really, all the things, all the trouble I've had with liberals thinking that they're arrogant and fake, I thought often put on people who just call themselves new age. And I'm not saying that because it's true. I'm just saying that's, that's where I come from. Like I have, a, I've always had the suspicion of these people being behind the scenes, arrogant and fake. And also that in same, in some ways, even like I, I'm not Christian, but I respected Christianity and Christians for committing to their, to their beliefs. And I always took new age people as sort of like faux religion, like not quite committing in the same way that a person would be like, you could practice Muay Thai and you're fighting or a person is like, I'm going to take Thai bow classes at a gym. You know, and I would say that person is like, I might have a judgment on that person. And I'm not saying that, that when people hear this, people should not be judging that person. Judge me because that's just where I'm coming from. It's like I've always had this kind of uh skepticism about these people and a, a kind of a distrust. So this article is perfect for me to read um, because- I've only ever heard new age like 
outside the internet I mean like in person I've only ever heard it as a dig as like oh you're being so new agey like yeah and in reality though I will say that I have done some things like I've gone to workshops that are new like me and Brandy did like early in our relationship where I was like all right this there was something here like I had to overcome some of my biases but if I overcame those there wasn't I could have an experience that I thought was was meaningful and left me with kind of like, oh, you know, I remember having one workshop where I came away from it. Like, you know what, instead of thinking about Sunday really being Monday early, why don't I just think of Sunday as being Sunday, like a day off. And that actually helped me, you know, like that was one thing that came of it. But, but I will say what I really appreciated about this article was like, I don't know who Barbara Marx Hubbard was, but I know who Albert Maslow is. And that name has been coming up a lot when we were talking to Allison. So he's kind of connected to her. And then I, I've heard of Buckminster Fuller and I was, and his notion of a kind of a structured science and even that buck, the, the, the buckyball itself very much reminds me of the kind of networks that I've seen constructed around the world that are going to be kind of internet networks. And then to also know that this guy, that she, when I read her obituary and to find out this guy, there's this one dude who was reading or was giving a, um, saying, hey, she was a great person and we're sorry that she's gone now. She died in 2019. But she was friends with Albert Maslow, with uh, Buckminster Fuller and Jonas Salk. And it immediately reminded me when I heard about her as being like really close to him, our Diego Rivera episode, where it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. Why is Diego Rivera so interested in, in, in the vaccination process? And like, why is she connected to him? And then that led me down the road of like, okay, Jonas Salk writing about, what's the name of his book? Uh, the Survival of the Wisest. Survival of the Wisest and Conscious Evolution, which is like, how do we consciously construct the human world to make it evolutionary? And to hear her, write, her own writings, her own words, be the same one that, this is how Buckminster Fuller talked, this is how... Um, at least Maslow seems to talk, which is each of them identified them as the new age, as that new age of type person, as being that that new ascended kind of person, if they can just take these folks forward. And it's very troubling, honestly, to, to listen to these folks talk. And then to know that when I heard that story about her connected with um, uh, the, the Vax guy, um, Salk. Jonas Salk, when she met Jonas Salk, she met him with this guy named What's his Jason? Hold on, I get this name right. Jason Bronow Whiskey, and Jason Bronow Whiskey was one of the early people to make the case to FDR about needing to do the research into um, uh, into the bomb, into the energy of the bomb, and he himself was hired by the British to do studies on the impact of that bomb. Once once it was done on the Japanese, he did this long secret study about how the how the radiation from that messed those people up. He was, I mean, it was not, it was just for the British government. And it's like, what is she doing with all these people? You know, and it, it is troubling. And it is like, and so it, 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 I just appreciated kind of, for me, seeing how, how this ruling class ideology could work. Um, and I still tend to think of it as a ruling class fever dream. Like this is their dream of where they want to get to. But they intend, I do believe they intend to do this. And, and the last thing I want to read is, uh, is that thing that she, that you printed from heart mind, um, like this or heart math, heart math is a program program to socially synchronize an individual's heart coherence 
with the global community by uploading users' electrocardiogram analytics to online cloud databases. HeartMath's biofeedback technologies are being propagated across the planet through HMI's Global Coherence Initiative in order to harmonize the world's ECG wavelengths into a singular hive mind resonance. And this other person, uh, basically, what did she say? HeartMath, this woman, White, Rachel Weiss, I think her name was, HeartMath has demonstrated that we can intentionally change our heart signal pattern to a coherent waveform in which heart-brain alignment is created, causing a favorable cascade of neural, hormonal, and biochemical changes as systems synchronize and connect, facilitating a system-wide communication. And in fact, they've, they, they're doing this now at places like Esalen, where that guy, Mickey Ziegler? Mickey Siegel, Mikey Siegel. Mikey Siegel is like doing that at Esalen now having these heart, you know, brain uh, synchronized experiences up in Esalen, which is supposed to be a place to get closer to like spirituality in that new age way. But apparently they're strapping these people on with neuro, neuro bands on the, around their heads. Um, and, and then they've actually had this idea. This person said, if we could get 350,000 people checked into this thing, then we think we could actually move history forward. And I, and I was like thinking about that. I was like, that's a very small number when you talk about 7.5 billion. Like you, you folks have a plan in mind of only taking a small group of people, coordinating them and seeing if you can run the world with it. It's like, again, I don't know how, it's like a, I, anyway, it was very disturbing, but also I, I was glad to read it because at first I was like, why am I reading about Barbara Marks Hubbard? Um, but it's really about reading about this, this, these this in ideological tentacles that are both in the ruling class in my mind, and they're trying to build to bring into us as they as they bring us into this new world. So, so, uh, so Hubbard, she's promoting the HeartMath Institute, which is connected to something called HeartMath Inc. So there's like a for-profit branch, and then there's a uh, there's a nonprofit branch, and the nonprofit branch has this thing called the Global Coherence Initiative. And what you use uh, to be part of this global coherence initiative are these, uh, they basically read your, your heart rhythm. So they're, they're electrocardiograms. And there's one that's called M-Wave and there's another one that's called Inner Balance. Now, interestingly, M-Wave is mentioned in my book. And actually in part of this article, I mentioned that um, M-Wave has been used for educational workshops. So you use this, this, heart, this heart monitor to uh, maybe give the students like a mindfulness meditation or something to get them to sort of calm down. Maybe if they have test anxiety or something like that, but it's to get them into sort of a, a biorhythmic uh, sort of subconscious emotional state where their frontal cortex will right, not be impeded by whatever negative sort of anxieties and you know, you know, irregular heart rates they might be dealing with. Uh, and then actually it's, you know, I note in there as well, which is sort of the tie into the book was that, uh, you know, this, this fits into all the socio-emotional biofeedback wearables I've talked about numerous times on this show and in the book. And also that uh, Betsy DeVos, former secretary at Ed, that she, uh, she was on the board of something called NeuroCore, which was using EEGs instead of ECGs. So, right, so you can do biofeedback in terms of brain waves, you can do it in terms of heart heart rate. And the reason I mention that is because Betsy DeVos, by marriage, is the heir to uh, 
Dick DeVos, Amway Fortune. And Amway is a multi-level marketing corporation. And multi-level marketing and human potential movement basically go together. And so the human potential movement gets us back to the Maslowian sort of psychology that's used to get people motivated into participating, usually in corporate culture. Okay. And so uh, HeartMath itself is basically an MLM. So the scheme for MLM is that MLM being multi-level marketing. Uh, basically, so you have a product, okay, and then you and then you're gonna recruit like coaches or salespeople that are gonna sort of be the foot soldiers for the company to distribute the products to build clientele, but also maybe to build more coaches and more salespeople. Okay, and they're usually referred to as like a pyramid scheme because the way that works is eventually, right, the first couple layers, right, they're getting all these new coaches and then they're buying the product from them. And But at the end of that pyramid, somebody's left with a bag of products that they usually can't sell, okay? And the reason why Amway gets away with this is because there's actually a product to sell, but there's other schemes in which, you know, I don't, you know, sort of like the Bernie Madoff style schemes where, you know, somebody's empty with, left with an empty bag and nothing to sell, right? I mean, there's it's basically just, you know, bloated paper or, you know, speculative stuff. So um, so that's sort of the model for selling these products and HeartMath uses that same idea, okay? So you can become a HeartMath coach and then you can sell the wearables and you can lead people into these guided meditations. The funny thing is uh, the guided meditations that they use, they got names for all of them. I can't think of what they are right now, but they're all trademarked. So to say like this meditation, it's got like a TM or a, whatever it is, an R or a C, I think it's a TM. You know, and it's like, in other words, you can't, you can't, technically, you're not supposed to be allowed to practice those meditations outside of your official status in a sanctioned, you know, uh, a setting that, that's, you know, where, where heart math is somehow making more money or, or selling more products. But uh, I sort of, I, I digress a little bit there. Uh, so, so that's, that's the, the scheme for how heart math uses the MLM. So the human potential, uh, movement or the, the, the human potential sort of uh, angle on it is you're not just selling the product to make money, right? Like think of like, you know, like, you know, your, your, your Tony Robbins type seminar or something, right? Like you're going to reach, a, you're going to be a better you, right? You're going to sort of reach a, a higher psychological state, right? So you're, so you are also the product, right? And so are these other people that the products are going down to, right? And you're sort of, you know, there's, there's sort of this, you know, you kind of become the company, right? They like, oh, it's a family. And right, like, we're all sort of growing together in our, you know, achieving it. Maslow would have called it, they're achieving self-actualization, right? So, so Maslow's, his humanistic psychology, uh, he's basically the founder of humanistic psychology. Uh, and that's, you know, so reading, reaching what he called peak, peak states and achieving what's called self-actualization. That's like, that's another sort of carrot that's, that's built into the whole system, right? So, so one thing is, right, you're making money selling these products. They say, oh, you're an entrepreneur because you're, you know, you're your own boss. And then, you know, but you're part of a family and it's a corporate family and you're also achieving a higher state of consciousness. And so that you can bring in the, the conscious evolution thing here. And so that's sort of how heart math as, a, as an institution works. And then the way that the Global Coherence Initiative works is that basically 
Uh, everybody puts on the wearable, okay, and it attaches to your phone, and it's got the EEGs there, or I'm sorry, ECGs there, and then you can upload it to an app on the TV, and on the TV, there's like a globe, and the globe's got little, like, light points, which is, you know, very new agey, by the way, you know, light and love, but anyways, so, and, and all the, every light point on this map sort of indicates where other people are doing what you're doing. In other words, where other people are also participating in the group meditation. And so everybody is supposed to get their ECGs to the same wavelength and they're all supposed to meditate on the same thing. And some, some people didn't like that. I, I, I probably should have used better verbs. It's, it was a new topic. I could have been more precise, but you know, I kind of euphemistically referred to it as sort of mesmerizing or hypnotizing, which, you know, like I, maybe it's a little too euphemistic, right? What I would say is make you suggestible, right? And make you suggestible and sort of lull you into a, a non, a less critical and less contentious, you know, biorhythmic psychological state, okay? Um, and, you know, they're like, oh, it's not good. You know, people, there's a lot of people, were, so I never got so many like criticisms or, you know, uh, let's just say contentious feedback from, from people all over various platforms uh, and not just people that were like Gnostic and didn't like how I characterize it and not just people who uh, actually knew Barbara Marks Hubbard and, and uh, you know, were very fond of her, uh, but a lot of people that just used the heart back stuff and it didn't fall into either of the other two categories. And uh, they're like, oh, it doesn't do that. It just makes me, you know, I, I'm able to check when I'm overly you know, frustrated or anxious and then I can bring myself back to a, a state where I'm not operating from my limbic system and, you know, sort of being unnecessarily aggressive. All right, that's fine. I'm not saying that that couldn't be done. And I'm not saying that that would be a, a bad thing. But but when you use this, you use it in a group setting like that, there were, I did some more research on it just because I'm, you know, I'm thinking that, right, if, you, if everybody's got their wearables on and we're watching and we're going to, let's say we're going to meditate on whatever is the, the TV propaganda message for this month right, uh, that, you know, that could sort of make you more compliant with whatever it might be. And so I'm thinking, right, lockdowns, new normal. Well, you know, it's not in the article, but it's on my Telegram page if you want to see the post where I linked to it and, and quoted from it. But there was, a, there was a global coherence. One of their meditations was last year, 2021, right, when the first sort of sign of like when we were finally starting to see some sort of unlocking, I guess you might call it, and there was a global meditation, uh, I think it was called something to the effect of patience for the new normal, and it's like it's summertime, and you know, the spikes are sort of going down in terms of infection rates, and some businesses are starting to loosen up and, you know, but, but we've got a responsibility to take care of each other. So don't just rush out there yet today or this month or this week, whatever it was, we're going to meditate to have more patience for the lockdowns, right? We're going to, we're going to meditate on sort of containing our urge to, to go outside and, you know, I guess, you know, be super spreaders, right? So literally they use the, the, the heart math wearable in a global group meditation to get people to meditate on basically complying with lockdowns for, and they use the term new normal. All right. So, I mean, it, it literally does that. And the, the most recent one they had was something about meditating on the whole Ukraine thing. So, so I, I imagine what, you know, whatever is the next big thing in the news, uh, just, just 
from from you know every occasion here and there, check it out. Go to the Global Coherence Initiative and look at what are they meditating on. I, I would wager that based on what I've seen, it's whatever is the mainstream media's sort of new new propaganda narrative. Well, and what's really disturbing me is I'm hearing you describe this um, wearable. Is I mean, obviously, in and of itself, it's fucked up, but. I feel like what you just described of like having a digital global meditation or some sort of like reflection or um, physical like activity, like yoga or whatever, basically to support like a propaganda message. I feel like that happened. I mean, like I, you know, I'm like a yogi and I'm into meditation and stuff like that. And I, I feel like, especially in the first year of all the lockdowns and everything, like people were literally organizing that. And maybe it wasn't as overt as like, we're going to meditate on like, you must stay home, stay safe. But like, it wasn't that far off. It was like, we're going to get through this together and we're going to use meditation as a tool to face these challenges. So I guess like... A lot of this, like, especially as somebody who does, like, who participates in stuff that's sort of like, I mean, I, I consider it like what I do is like the good thing. And like this whole new AG Hubbard thing is, it's just like a twisted perversion of it. But I don't know, like, I'm kind of asking myself, okay, so like, say you're, you're doing like a group meditation where you're all like chanting a mantra or something, right? And, and this is like organic. This is a grassroots you know, whatever group of hippies, you are like syncopating your breath and your speech and probably your heartbeat and like all of this kind of stuff, or even in a yoga class, right? Like somebody's walking you through like, breathe in, breathe out at this time, regulate it. And so I'm kind of just like asking myself, okay, so like, what's the difference here? Is the, is the, the difference just like the presence of technology? Is it the like surveillance therein? Is it the sort of longer, um, whether it's like transhumanist or even just, you know, data mining? Is it like the exploitation factor? Um, is it just like the control aspect of it? I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm like, okay, where's the line between like, you know, what I consider to be like a sacred practice that's like connected to embodiment. And then this other thing, which is like, totally the opposite and that it's all about dissociation and and like taking away people's self-autonomy but the actual acts that they're describing like they're not that dissimilar like it's really just the tech I guess I don't know am I making sense yeah I mean I, I when you when, as I'm listening to you talk I think more about which is why I sort of did a big did a long circle back to the whole humanistic psychology and the human potential movement because so because that is sort of the I guess the the uh I don't want to say the ideology but uh maybe we could say that sort of the wearables and the and and sort of the meditations are kind of like the hardware but the humanistic positive psychology is sort of the software that goes with it and it's important to note because you know, my, I've studied quite, you know, quite extensively, uh, you know, behavioral psychology and to, to a lesser extent, you know, psychoanalytic, right? And um, 
you know, as, as, insofar as it's connected to, you know, all the ed tech stuff. But one of the things that I realized by studying Maslow for this article is that his, his idea of positive humanistic psychology sort of arose out of the idea that basically all of the, the academic laboratory psychology to that point had been basically about pathologizing. Right? It was all about like correcting something that was wrong with you, right? whether it was psychoanalytic, trying to find out what sort of subconscious, you know, problems you had that was conflicting with, you know, the ego and all that, uh, or whether it had to do with sort of, you know, you had sort of these behavioral patterns that were sort of ingrained in you to respond to certain stimuli the wrong, the wrong way or the wrong way, right? The way that's undesirable for, you know, whoever's running the classroom or, or you know, society at large. And so Maslow was kind of like, well, we need a psychology that focuses on like, not just how do you pathologize, how do you, you know, diagnose, prescribe and, and sort of fix all these, you know, problems with human beings, right? Because then all you're doing is, right, I mean, you're focusing all of your energy on, uh, you know, it's basically, it's, it's entirely a, a negative perspective on, on humanity, right? I mean, like you could spend your time correcting stuff all day, but even Skinner had, had you know, he didn't, he didn't just focus on punishment, right? He focused on rewards, right? But then it's like, okay, you can't just focus on extrinsic or external rewards because, right, then you're still sort of like this automata. So he's like, well, we need, we need to come up with uh, a, a, a psychology that, that where we focus on, you know, sort of uh, the, the better aspects of ourselves and something to sort of grow into, not something to grow out of. And, you know, to sort of loop back to what you're saying is that sort of, he's not, and, and by the way, he calls it, he also calls it transpersonal and literally calls it transhuman psychology in, uh, what is it, uh, toward a psychology of being in the second edition. It's a forward or preface, okay? But he doesn't have like sort of these objective like values of what like humans should aspire to to achieve this human potential, right? Like it's so. In other words, it's it's very easy to associate some form of psychological or spiritual growth with, right? Some sort of corporate propaganda or some sort of government initiative, right? And so then. What happens is, you know, so where you're talking about, like, where is the line? I think some of it, it it's not not necessarily in, as I just talked about with the wearable. Like, okay, if you want to make sure you're not getting irritated, although, you know, I'm, I don't think it's that hard to feel your heart beating on its own to know that you're, like, frustrated, right? But if you need the wearable to check yourself so you don't start, you know, uh, snapping on people, okay. That's fine, all right? And if you want to do some deep breathing meditation to sort of cool yourself off or whatever, that's fine, right? But when you start sort of associating those ECGs and this sort of, you know, this, this mindfulness state with like tapping into some other value system that's being given to you from, you know, whether it be the great reset or, you know, the new normal or whatever, like, this is where I think it sort of gets, it can be steered in uh, ways that, that uh, you know, we might not like, whether, whether it be full-blown transhumanism or, you know, just some, some other sort of corporate government initiative that, 
you know, it doesn't have your human potential in mind, right? It has sort of an institutional potential or some broader collective potential that, you know, that you didn't have a say in sort of formulating to begin with, right? And, and, and like, so just as another example, Mikey Siegel, uh, you know, he's developing, I think it's called Heart Sync, basically the same thing as Heart Math. And one of his buddies who helped him to develop it, he said that, well, these could be great for like board meetings at a company. Right. Like everybody can like get in their heart coherence and then we'll all be like on the same wavelength. Okay. That could be good. But what if the decision, you know, so we're having a board meeting and the CEO or the president or somebody's like, yeah, we're going to do something where we fire half the people or we cut wages or we build a product. that's you know, wholly unethical or right. Something that our, some of our board members might be like, yeah, I'm going to vote no on that. Right. Like, you know. Yeah. They give it to the Supreme court. (laughs) Well, they give you the wearable in the in the boardroom scenario, and then the people that were like inclined to, you know, argue, you know, and to say no, right? Well, no, you want to be part of the team, and you want us, you know, you want to be part of this mindful state, and you know, maybe you feel like a better person because you're, you know, you know, helping the the, the company team, and you know, you're being buddies with all your coworkers, and so, you know, I, I, it's sort of a roundabout way to say that, you know, I think the line there is is kind of uh i think it has it has something it has more to do with maybe the values that are associated with whether it's the technology or you know meditation or you know some form of a psychological psychology retreat where you're just trying to you know get tuned with your own you know what's going on in there you know so it makes me think of you know when we talked about um you know, uh, technology and health, right? And how you, uh, you know, the more you need devices to tell you if you're healthy, you know, the less control of your health you have, you give up. And so this to me, like, seem, at least I see the parallel of like the spiritual, the philosophical, the mystical elements of being human, you know, being experienced in life. Uh, you know, it, it's the same process that's happening in that realm that's happening in, in, in physical health, right? And, and, and so, you know, like, and, and, and it's still about power, you know, whether you have it yourself or someone else, you know, is gaining more control of your life. And, and so like, I, I don't see much of a difference in that in that realm, you know, uh, in, in, in the people who, that's what I see here, you know, that, that in this, you know, and obviously, uh, the mind is powerful, you know, belief systems are powerful. And, and, and so I guess I will follow up with a question, you know, about the people who bankroll this stuff. Uh, but right now, like, this is the pattern that I see, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's again, you know, and it's also connected, right? Your, your well-being is connected to how you think and how, you know, and then your your body manifests, you know, things in, and so these people who are telling us, you know, connecting us to these devices to meditate, you know, fundamentally there, there is something that we all know. Like if you're overstimulated, <laughs> you know, you need to calm the fuck down, you know, and, and, and like, but they're, they're, they're obviously becoming mediators of you, you coming down, you know, and you having control, some sort of sense of control and awareness of yourself. But, but they're the mediators. They're the ones who have the magic pill for you. You know, and, and so, like, I actually, I do think, you know, people like Barbara, like, you know, they believe, like, they, they do think, you know, they, they develop these things, but they're 
in a way useful, you know, for for creating this new world, right? That that's coming our way. Yeah, I think I think you know, like that. Uh, you might be able to, for somebody that's maybe not in tune with their body to begin with, maybe like having an external metric might be able to go, oh. So when this is like this, that's it. I, I notice like this feeling I'm having, and then eventually, you know, do away with the wearable, and you know, maybe, but you know, maybe now that you have a sense of your own, you know, heart heart rate and stuff like that. But uh, you know, like you said, if you're if you're constantly, if that's your only awareness of what's going on inside you is through the metrics on the on the machine. Right? I mean, that's not you know, that's not really making you in, in tune. Uh, with with yourself, right? And sort of just go back to the point I was. Were you gonna jump in? Oh, I thought you okay. I, and and uh, <clears throat> oh, okay, okay, okay. And then it, to go back to sort of what I was sort of suggesting before, like to, to what Jessica was talking about. That's uh, you know, like even like you know, me and my wife would go to uh, sometimes we go to a new church or something, and they're doing singing the hymns. And you know, there's a lot of churches, Christian churches that are new agey, right? And so like. You know, you'd be singing. She's like, you know, why aren't you singing? I'm like, I, I got to read these words before I sing. I don't know what we're all singing about. You know, I don't know. I don't know what kind of church this is. Like, I'm not familiar with it yet. You know, I mean, like, it seems pretty traditional, but like, I don't know what kind of new agey, you know, charismatic type stuff is. You know, and I was always like that. Like, I never, you know, like, where everybody in the crowd throw your hands up. It was just something was always like, why? Like, why? I don't want to just do something just because you said and everybody else is doing it. That's not a reason to do it. And so you sort of lose, you know, I mean, through that process, I think you can easily lose your identity in that, you know, and you sort of become the, the group or you become the, you know, the in this together slogan or, you know, whatever it is that's the whole, you know, what, what's the group meditation or, you know, what's the board meeting focused on or, you know, whatever, which is not your human potential. And it just like as the last thought, like it reminds me also of this idea of synchronicity, right? That is expressing in nature, you know, like how different things synchronize and like being in a collective environment. And and that's the scary part because there's people who understand this in a profound way. And you know, like in the last episode we talked about, you know, well at least I brought up the the, the idea of rituals and you know that this is as old as human organized humanity, right? Like we are ritualistic people. And there's something powerful in like, um, uh, you know, like uh, that creates cohesion or some sort of synchronicity again, you know. And, and, and so, and I think the people who who are above, you know, in the role, the, the the people who can program the game, right? That's not something Alison also talked about. That if you're making the rules, you know, like, you know, like you, you, you that's the ultimately in the ultimate thing, you know, to, to wield power. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I guess that's just my, my last thought on that. Yeah, and if the game is not set up with rules just where you're using sort of the behavioral psychology to sort of reward and punishment people and nudge them around, but if you can use a positive psychology where they think that there's actually, that, that they're doing it on their own for themselves and that, right, that they're in control and they're in the driver's seat, but they're actually just responding to more stimuli, that's, that's the best. Right. Because then you don't have to worry about the external, like, you know, some sort of social credit rewards. Like the person is motivated to to participate in basically we'll just call it the cult. Right. Uh, and, and at that point, it takes on a life of its own. My, my publisher told me used a little analogy or anecdote one time uh, about 
uh, what was the, what was Elvis's manager's name? It was like the Colonel or something like that. Right. And the, the, basically the story goes like this, you know, you used to see the pictures of all the girls. Oh, Elvis. Right. Well, the first time that happened, you know, I've never actually looked into the history, but this is what my publisher tells me. You know, I, I trust him on it, but the story is that the Colonel got there early and paid a few girls to, to scream and yell and swoon. The next day, the next time they, I think it was a two day concert or something, because, you know, Elvis is expecting Colonel to be out there paying, paying girls again. He only had to do it once because once he did it the first time, all the girls around him followed, followed with the, the girls that were paid. And then once that was seen on a you know, broadcast, everybody else, right? followed suit right it took on a life of its own and people participated in it without any more money having to be paid out i think i guess i want to take this might be a disagreement um because i for me i do think that line from where this goes from something that's yeah okay fine that's what you want to do to something that remember your paragraph you started off with was the world economic forum and the global this global world that's being created and the institutions that are behind all that. And those include state institutions and private institutions, public private partnerships have been a lot of those words. So once you go from six people going into a room, synchronizing their heartbeat, fine, go ahead and do that. But once you bring in the infrastructure of Google, of Apple, of the US state, of World Economic Forum, of these institutions, and you say, oh, now this is an issue about big data analytics. Now this is about data collection. Now this is about social emotional learning for, for our computers. Now this is about development of AI. Then you are in a different ballgame. You're not, you're not in the world of, hey, we're doing the six of this to get our synchronize ourselves. You are building empire. And you are building the, instru the instrument of empire that, in my opinion, there's one empire that's trying to build up their big data analytics, and it's NATO and U.S., and there's another side, China and Russia. That's how I see it. And you can see them through the vaccines. You can see them through all that. So for me, this does, the dividing line is very clear. It's yes, it's when you bring tech in. Because if you're going, if you're trying to do this and you just want to do it with, with six people or 60 people or 600 people in a place that's a stadium, fine, go ahead and do that. Have that as experience. And in fact, I would say, Jake, that the, the other line that where I maybe would counter what you're saying is when we talk about a fight and a collective fight against what's taking place, we, oft, we know that part of this is going to be people having that experience for the first time of just an individual experience of fight back to a collective experience of fight back. And that experience is going to be like what you just described with the, um, the colonel, that people who experience it in New Orleans, are, that story is going to be heard about somewhere else and they're going to do it in San Diego and then they're going to do it in San Francisco and and people are going to that's how it's going to go and so part of me it's a baby in the bathwater thing because I do think there's something that can't that has to be preserved in understanding that this that the, to stop what's going on a collective fight is going to be waged you are not going to be able to do this as an individual it's not going to be cynicism an individual cynicism I'm just going to stay out that's going to actually make this thing we need to be cynical of them. But once that cynicism enters into, wait about all you all folks, what are you all doing? For me, I start to question, is that, some, is that a road we want to go too far down? If that makes any sense. Um, 
I don't know if I'm following. So are you meaning that because, yeah, go ahead, yeah, there's a way that and I understand you're just describing your own personality, but I actually think when I think about solving these problems that you that you pose in that first paragraph that are going to be stopped, this ain't going to be stopped by individuals just saying, I won't. This this is going to be stopped by groups of people saying, I'm going to do this instead, or I'm going to take your project on. And they're going to, in doing that, they are going to have an experience that's not unlike what people are attempting to have in these rooms where they synchronize their hearts, synchronize their minds. It's called a solidarity and struggle moment. It's what happens in struggle. I've, I've experienced moments of that, you know, brief, but I've experienced it. And it's, it's something that you bring to yourself, but you, you do become part of a collective group in that fight. And so uh, that's why for me, I do draw the line at tech, not because it's tech, but because it is the master's tools and the masters are using this tool to run their show. They're taking your, your attempt to synchronize yourself. I don't care whether it works. It shouldn't be done because what it's really doing is it's providing information for our, to our enemies to to basically use against us, use against our children, use against our brothers and sisters in Latin America, in Russia, or wherever. So that's the reason it shouldn't be done, is because I don't give a shit whether it makes your whether it makes you feel like you're getting into a meditative state. In fact, you may get into a meditative state. You it may help you do all those things you say you you do in a room with just humans without a computer. But because the computer and the tech is there, that that is where I draw the line because now you are you are helping our enemies destroy us. So instead of instead of collective experience being used to take down their project. Right, but when you talk about like so you so you've had these what you call solidarity experiences in group settings like were you all like, like we're going to meditate and get our heart rates in together? It's, or it's a similar just, thing. I, but it's a protest, similar thing. Protest chanting, right? I, I think it's... Union. Yeah, you're right, right. So, you know, like, you know, the whole, you know, go, even like at a team, right? Go team type. I mean, and that is sort of using the same sort of group psychology tactics and things like that. Okay. But again, like, okay, so I'll use my own example of you know, I use the church example. I'm not saying I never sang a song with the, <laughs> with the church, you know, but it wasn't until after I like vetted everything was like, okay, we've been here a few times. I'm reading, I'm going through the hymn book. Okay. Like, yes, this is the, this is theologically accurate. I'm not, you know, I've, I've been to churches where, you know, like I was scared to take the Eucharist because of some of the things that they was like, this is like not biblical. What are we really doing here? Like, I don't like, you know, so like, again, I'm not saying that, you know, there haven't been churches that I've that I've been at where it was like, you know, like I made a conscious decision to be like, yeah, this is this is right, this is cool. Like I'm on, you know, we're on the same team basically or whatever. Like, you know, but uh, you know, I, I guess I guess the reason I'm asking this and you and giving these examples is that like I'm not suggesting that that a group, some sort of group solidarity doesn't happen in, in any shape and, you know, whether it be, you know, whatever, you know, workers and students for choice or, you know, churches or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm suggesting that the order of operations is inverted here, whereas like, you know, you create like you you get in that what you might call subconscious or unconscious state of solidarity where you basically you've built trust right and you're not like okay who are these people what are we what is this about what, what's actually going on here what are you trying to get me to do like what am i committing to like you know after you've built rapport and you've you know you've built trust by getting to know the people who are in the group 
then you can go ahead and sort of, you know, like, I don't want to say go autopilot, but right, all that that extra sort of a, a level of awareness where you're sort of like, you know, not sure and critical, you can sort of bring that down a little bit. But with sort of the heart math, this heart math model and, you know, this this whole biofeedback or even just, you know, without it, you know, like you mentioned some of the, uh, Jessica mentioned, you know, like just sort of in retrospect, thinking about some of the meditations in this together stuff, like, like what they're asking a lot of times in that situation is, Let's get into a biorhythmic state of equilibrium together first. And then you can think about what you actually, whether, you know, how much you want to commit to it or what it actually implies after, you know, let's not go through all of the, you know, critical and conscious sort of analysis of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then we can go ahead and get in some kind of meditative state. It's, it's the opposite. It's like, just go ahead and do this, you know, and then, and then end up on the other end somewhere, you know, which at that point, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're on the other end of it. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's, I don't know that we're necessarily disagreeing actually, but I would, to the extent that I'm clarifying that I, I'm not against some, you know, being a part of a group or, you know, some sort of, you know, group consciousness that insofar as these technologies are concerned, if you're going to use them at all, which personally I'm not, uh, you know, it would have to be like with a group of people that I know, like that I can like trust in and out back and forth, like that we have a very clear mission that we've agreed about what is this mission or whatever, you know, or this, you know, this theology in the church, whatever it might be, right? What, what's, what are we actually meditating on? Or what are we, what do we have solidarity around before I go and sort of, you know, shut that part of my brain off? That's, that's, you know. I feel uh, like you're describing like the, like the lead up to like um ayahuasca ceremony or something you know and that like pilgrimage like into the forest and you give your consent and your whatever I mean I haven't done it but like you know your intention and it's like skip that or or make that like manipulative and coercive through tech or whatever and suddenly like it becomes a whole different thing that's uh, not a bad analogy actually yeah you know you think about sorry go ahead ahead. i'm just gonna kind of throw out i don't know i really think this but just you know like reading your article right like the the sort of realist in me you know listening to hubbard and and her cronies you know arguing that like oh we're gonna like create this like the planet's gonna grow this um what does she call it? Uh, the nervous system, right? Like this whole new global nervous system and it's going to happen through social media and all this stuff. And part of me is like, I can't get like a fucking photo to transfer through airdrop from a device, like two feet away from my computer. Right. Like, like fuck off. Okay. Central nervous system for the planet, like whatever. Um, but then, I, I don't know, like, I think about these types of experiences that we're describing, and a lot of times, like, we're framing them spiritually, and then, you know, in, in the New Age world, they're framed spiritually, but I think, like, yeah, like Andy said, like, the experience of sort of physical, real-time solidarity, like, there's other other similar experiences that maybe aren't, like, overtly spiritual for everybody, you know, especially, you know, people who are more atheists or agnostics or whatever. Um, 
but I, I don't want to like underplay the power of those experiences, even in a sort of like, like transcendent way. Um, and I, I such a half big thought, cause I don't really know like where, like the idea of transcendence suddenly like slips into like a whole ideology of, of transhumanism or whatever. But, um, like I keep, I'm very haunted by Allison when she talked about um, like human batteries and all of that. And I'm just thinking like, like, yeah, it's, it's very obvious that with things like the heart sink app and these institutions and on all the different, you know, ways that they're, they're trying to control people. Like it's very obvious certain things that they're trying to, like they want the data, right? Um, they want sort of psychological control, like blah, 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 all the things that we've described. Um, but there is a little part of me that's like, maybe there is like something more to it, you know, on, on, like, I don't know. I don't know what that, I think all of us have kind of struggled to describe, like, what is that thing that is cultivated? Like they call it like collective Christ consciousness or whatever, solidarity. Uh, I don't know, like the je ne sais quoi, call it energy, call it frequency. Like, I don't know. I mean, I personally feel like there is some sort of undeniable frequency for group experience, you know, whether through meditation or something else. And it's a little freaky to, to think like, what do these people know? Like, do they know more than I do about what that is? Um, and yeah, I mean, is, is there more than even just like the four IR stuff that we're always talking about? I don't know. This is a little, a little cuckoo, but I just hear Allison talking about the batteries. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, so, I mean, one way, so you sort of alluded that, you know, we can sort of talk about the this, this same thing you're sort of dancing around. We can talk about it in terms of maybe something spiritual or maybe something psychological, if you don't believe in sort of the, the spiritual, metaphysical, transcendent, right? But a, a good illustration of that would basically be something like, so, you know, uh, we, we sort of referred to some of this syncretist and sort of uh, approaches to this new age stuff in sort of like a, oh, I guess you might call it like uh, the, the term that was used was, uh, you know, like a neo-paganism, right? And so basically, instead of attributing sort of all of the all of the archetypes of the human personality to like gods and goddesses, you know, God of war, God of love, et cetera, right? Young, Carl Jung basically took that and just said, well, those are archetypes of, this, of the mind, of, of, of the psyche, right? And then, you know, I guess other, you know, evolutionary biologists would have reasons as to why we develop those and things like that. But for, you know, you can think about this in terms of like a Jungian psychology, or you can think about it in terms of sort of like a Gnostic spirituality where there's sort of these outside forces, but one way or another, right? We're still talking about sort of these, these archetypes that have, a, have some sort of real effect on how we interact with other people, right? And like, you know, psychological, physiological, social, right? And so one way or another, you know, whether you want to call them archetypes of the of the psyche or archetypes of sort of the you know the metaphysical nature of the spiritual universe, you know we're we're, we're talking we're we're both in both situations. You're sort of uh, positing them as something that is not 
tangible and not sort of reducible to biometrics or psychometrics, although maybe you can infer them, you know, or they would argue you could infer them through these wearables, but, you know, uh, so they're very, they're real things, regardless of how you want to talk about them. And, and in some ways, and I think this is sort of the genius behind, you know, the you sort of incorporating the human potential movement, Maslowian psychology into sort of the new age, uh, more occult dimensions of, of you know, what, what is called the broader new age, right? Some of the Gnostic stuff, because you can come at it from whatever angle you want. Right. Like you were all you could still be on sort of the, the new age team. You can believe that it's some spiritual energy. You can believe that it's some subconscious frequency of your your brain waves or whatever. But well, you're, you're pretty much talking about the same thing with different sort of, you know, a, le a different lexicon, which you know gets us back to what, what is the new age? Well, it's it is this very sort of, you know, all encompassing spiritual psychological movement and uh yeah so it's uh so you know i don't i don't know that we that for them you actually have to define what it is as long as you are bringing your frequencies in sort of harmony with the with the broader movement there's so much here um i want to go back a little bit to what you said Lipson and jessica you know in terms of like you know i i do i do think that you know in order to, because I do, I do think that the world needs, you know, to change, right? Like in some way, like the way things are heading, what we're, the, the, our current, you know, um, the way things are, you know, it's a lot of unhappiness, a lot of, you know, satisfaction. Uh, we talked about market shaping, right? With Allison and, and, you know, and I do believe in the power of connection, right? In, 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 in coming together. And that there are things that the people who are creating these technologies or attempting to wield this power think they know, you know, I don't care how much fucking science, you know, they don't know everything. So that's why I call the spiritual part, right? That, you know, things that I can explain, you just know, they feel you, you they work, and, you know, and people have different experiences, right, to different degrees. Um, and even, you know... The, the the problem here, right, is is is, is and, and I want to live in a society where you're free to do whatever the hell you want, you know, like in your material experience, you know, you you don't have to suffer more, you know. Obviously, there's always cost and sacrifice. Nothing is perfect, at least in my view, you know. I don't believe in this utopian world, you know, um, and you will have to do things you don't want to do at times, you know. But it's 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 whether you know you have a high degree of freedom to choose to do whatever you want, and and you know in 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 I want a society right a community because I I know that power the healing power the the, the you know because it's evolution too <laughs> you know thousands of years you know coming together and organizing for safety for you know for feeling good in so many ways and we've been programmed you know by not nature but. You know, and, and at least that's my understanding. The problem is, you know, who's wielding that power, right? Who's the mediator of that power? And, and, and obviously I do draw a line, just like Lipson, about technology, right? And I am not saying that, you know, like I, and what I'm saying is like these people, the people who are behind all this, know for a fact there is something powerful here, you know, and, and they're trying to wield this. And, 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 and yes, uh, the more we, we we subject ourselves to these systems, right? These hard whatever thing, 
the more control we lose of our individuals and the more control we lose of the potential of coming together and creating the society that we want as free individuals. Um, and, and, and so that is the scary part, you know, and that, I guess that was the question I had, you know, whether the people who bankroll, people like Barbara, you know, Hubbard, like they actually believe, in, you know, like, and I'm sure some do, but I think more than anything, the people who are at the top know what power, you know, how to wield, or at least they, they, they want to wield power, you know, because yes, of course, it's about capital, capitalism, but there is something about power, right, that, that is fundamental, that is translated through, you know, ultimately about controlling and shaping the world and playing God, you know, and, and so, you know, the reason I am an anti-capitalism, I hate capitalism, is because it, 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 it you know, um, enhances the worst parts of being human, right? I'm not this utopian person either about humanity. We're capable of doing good things and bad things, you know? That's in part why I hate when people wanna uh, infantilize indigenous people. No, they were fucking empires too. They also conquered people, you know? Same with African people. They also enslaved people. They sold people, they enslaved their own people and sold it to Europeans for trade. You know, a lot of people ignore this about history. So I, I, I'm not delusional in like, what humanity, we're capable of good things and bad things. You know, like it's about what set of circumstances create, you know, a society that is more, you know, welcoming and, and you know, and able to give us the ability to, to create something that's good for most people, for the majority. You know, I'm also not gonna pretend that it's gonna be perfect, even if we get rid of capitalism, because that brings me to this culty thing, right? Like. And I think that's what I see here in this, you know, new age thing that makes me uncomfortable. Just like it makes me uncomfortable to hear Marxists just regurgitate bullshit without really analyzing and finding the, you know, the logical consequential things. That's why it bothers me that Marxists, I, you know, not seeing the, the problems with the last two years, right? It, it, but I also know that in the name of Marxism, some horrific shit has happened. I am not gonna deny that. You know, I'm not defending that fucking Marxism. I'm not an ideological Marxist. I, I try to follow logic, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I guess my point is just, I think I, I think I understand what Jake is trying to say is that, you know, I also want to come into a community. I don't want to just be part, I am just that person like Jake that I'm like looking around, why the fuck do I have to kneel down? Like, I'm just not just going to go along with it. I want to know why, that's who I am. You know, I want to respect that. And in order for us to not repeat the mistakes that we've made historically as a society, you know, we're going to have to have more people ask more goddamn questions and not defer to experts. Experts like Barbara, experts like the CDC fucker, you know, who was lying to us this whole time. You know, and, and that's the empowerment that I talk about, right? Like, it, 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 but, but I do understand the power of coming together, you know, and, but not blindly. You know, and, and that is the danger of this. And, and these technologies actually blind us more because it takes our own intellect, our own ability to decide for ourselves out of our hands, right? Just like we talked about the medical system. And, and the people who are above Barbara, the people who bankroll her, who I, and at least that's my answer, I guess, that, that I've reached here, they know, they, they are wielding some shit. They're not just do this blindly like you know the rest of the people that are applying this thing mindlessly you know and i'm not criticizing people because i at least my understanding of the world 
I understand that we live, and that's why I want to change this goddamn world because we, we live desperate lives, you know? You know, I don't know, like, I don't know have the exact roadmap for cap, you know, for a world post-capitalism, right? Because that's what I still see here, you know, a, a capitalist world of people who rule us, you know, dictate, the, you know, how we live lives. We really have little choice from, you know, from the place where we live, you know, because, and that's what I see in that quote that you started with, that was, uh, you know, about you will own nothing and you'll be happy, right? In reality, what this is masking, right, is in the name of making us feel better. Instead of getting rid of the bullshit that makes us live desperate lives, you know, and cleaning up the world that it's been dirtied by people who are greedy, you know, the worst kind of, the worst, really for me, like the worst examples of humans, <laughs> you know, instead of cleaning, instead of creating communities where we don't have, or, you know, instead of living in a, in a in desperate situation where we have to drive two hours to go to work, to be in a place that we don't have a choice in, you know, and because we have to leave, you know, make a livelihood because we can no longer go to the river because it's either polluted or it's enclosed, you know, instead of doing that, you know, this is the solution that they're bringing to us, you know, in, in, which is more this association from our uh, a sense of, of self. You know, and, and, and that in turn is also useful because keeping us separate, right? Not not being able to see each other as humans, as a common experience, and also seeing that other people are feeling what you're feeling too, that other people are dissatisfied, you know? And so all this is in play here with this. And so, you know, yes, Barbara, you know, she probably was a true believer, you know, but the, the people that are scarier to me is not even just Barbara or the people who adhere to these systems. It's the people who are above them you know, who know how important this shit is, who know history, who know psychology, who know, you know, and, and are willing to try to, to wield it, you know, as much as they can, because especially in the context of the pillage that we're going through, you know, we're like, shit is so expensive right now for everyone. You know, like we've been robbed for the last two years, we're being robbed currently with inflation. We've talked about it in the show. And these people who are pillaging everyone, the masses of people of the world understand you know, the danger of people coming together, people, the, the synchronicity of things, you know? And, and so in one way they're selling us, right? Like, oh, we want to create synchronism. But in reality is what they want to control the, the synchronicity yeah. you know, of humanity because people will fed up, you know? It, it, no, you know, like Franz Fanon said that quote on violence, right? Like we revolt because we simply can't breathe. And they know this. And they want to ration everything. And that's why, you know, like, it's scary to see, you know, that how on mindlessly a lot of us, masses of us are joining this, allowing them to take more control over our lives, our individual psychology and health in every part of us. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, I, yeah. after studying human potential movement and MLM, I mean, any, you know, just listening to what you're talking about, I mean, that's, that's something that both, you know, well, must, much of, if not most of capitalism in the modern era ha has in common with, you know, a lot of sort of the, your, uh, what you might call your lockdown left, right, in, in the sense that, right, in, in the capitalist model, it's like, well, you can, you know, you can reach your, your full potential and your self-actualization if you make enough money and you buy all these 
you know, these gadgets or this, this designer clothes or whatever. And then, you know, in the, you know, sort of the lockdown left type socialist people, right. It's the idea like, you know, well, you know, we're, we're becoming better people because we have our masks on and we took our vaccines and, and we don't want to spread things. And so that makes, that means I'm a better person than right people that aren't. And so it's not just that, right. And in both, in both, you're sort of, you know, you're, you're, biting on to whatever is sort of the marketing strategy uh, and your identity is wrapped up in, you know, whether it be this individualist model or this collectivist model, but in both of them, right, one way or another, you're sort of, you know, there's the illusion that you are somehow making your situation better for yourself by playing along with whichever team you're on. Just one more on that and the vaccines and you know this propaganda that was so scary right as we saw it unfold in front of our eyes being those people that didn't stand up or kneel down when everyone else did um it, it's that you know I, like i'm not even mad you know anymore because i had feelings about the people like around me right who said they were about one thing and they were they were about the other i'm not even mad that they fell for it right I, you know, I'm upset and, and annoyed and I have some sort of feelings because after, you know, after the fact, right? When you, in the moment, it's hard to see sometimes, right? When you're in, in the fucking wave of things. And, and the people who wield this propaganda knew this, right? They know, they know propaganda, you know? It, it, but what I'm mad about is that, you know, there is no consequence. There is no, you know, to their lies. You know, and I'm mad and I'm scared. Because you know, here we are still being pillaged, and we are in on our knees more than ever, and people don't even realize it, and I, that scares me. You know, it scares me that we've given up so much power, you know, in sense of ourselves, you know, to to something that doesn't have our best in our best in their interests. You know, and and, and then not only that, but people that go against it are persecuted but then i understand it because it's a fucking cult you know it's a cult mentality and i should mention that i don't know if i i didn't really get into it in the article but if you if you do any sort of a study on human potential movement it literally it's not just tied to multi-level marketing strategies in the corporate world but it's literally like played a role in like literal cults Right. So like the Nexium is one of them and they, they use, I think it's, uh, it's the EST air hearts. I can't, I always forget what the acronym means, but it's another, it's a sort of a spin off of human potential movement. Uh, but you know, so Nexium is one, uh, I want to say the Rajneeshis, I read an article where the Rajneeshis use the similar, use similar human potential type psychology and things like that. But it's, it's, so you know you're using you're using the word cult and you know it's it's not much of a uh you know it's not it's not a big jump to to call it that you know i think it's pretty accurate actually (laughs) yeah and i i think um kenny was helpful to hear you say uh what you said particularly i want to come back to the, the question maybe i had for jessica but um it was particularly helpful in relate of what Jake, when you, when Jake said, Hey, wait a second, I want to be able to check this first before I go forward with it. And I somewhat heard within that, like, 
the doubt of being able to, to be part of that collective group. And I actually think you're right, though, that it actually is when we talk about collectivism, that's actually going to be empowering the question of choosing to be part of that and feeling like you actually can choose to be part of it and, or choose not to be that it's that that choice, the choice to be part of it and, to, and for that to be something that's actually really there as opposed to coercive stuff that makes you part of it. That is a critical piece of it that has that would have to be part of whatever we build. People have to choose to be part of it and they have to make a conscious choice. And sometimes they're going to make a choice they haven't fully thought through and then be like, okay, I'll do it. But, but that question of coercion is really important. So I think Jake, I, I think I didn't quite hear that in what you were saying, but I think that's, that, that is kind of what you're getting at when you said, Hey, wait a second, I want to be able to look at this thing and decide whether I want to be part of it. And I, I do think that's an important part of any collective fight back. Um, I guess the question, Jessica, I would have that I, I still think I wasn't, were you somewhat asking if, if these people like Barbara Marks Hubbard and these people who have this idea of, cause I think they are serious about thinking that they're, that, that, that there is a, a neural network being built and they they might've acknowledged that, Oh, it's not up to where it is, but we're going to get 5g and 6g and we're going to get shit in your body. And then, then it'll be on, you know? And, and yeah, they got plans to make us into electronic network using their phones and, and technology and creating cyborgs out of us. So I think that, they're doing that. What I think the question I wasn't sure if I heard it right was, come on, kiss on, let's go. Yes, we. Um, were you saying that maybe there is something to that collective thing? Like maybe there could be something if we could get the if we could get the tech working properly that this could be more collective somehow than in person stuff. Was that the question you were kind of posing? Like, is there something more to it? Well, not, I didn't mean like in a good way that they would harness that. Yeah. Okay. I just meant like, like maybe it's more than yeah. a sort of concrete exploitate, like the concrete products and outcomes. Well, here's what I would say it is more, but it's more because capital, like we haven't, we've talked, for we, we've talked about capitalism and profits and things like that. But that piece of capitalism that's that creates alienation and deep alienation, deep separation, like what they've done is they, they their system has alienated us. And now they're going to go ahead and replace that alienation with this kind of um, fake collectivity. So in that regard, yes, it will feel like more because they've they've made people feel so separated and so isolated and so not themselves in the first place through basically turning us into machines or making us think we're machines making us think we're just a uh, little cogs in their wheel. Um, so in a sense, but in terms of more, like actually more than being together in a room, like, no, like, I don't even think I need the studies to do that. I don't think I need to know anything to know that if the four of us were in an actual physical room together and having this discussion, it would feel different than what we're doing now. And now, okay, get enough wearables on you. I still will say no, like this is, and it's not just that it will feel different, but the once you put the wearables on, now you've invited your enemy into controlling that whole process. Um, and that's why it can't be done there. Like, you know, um, so I don't know. That's what I would say. There's a, I mean, I don't know if you can see this very good. I'm trying to. Oh yeah. 
What's this going is in the section on heart math in Birth 2012 and Beyond by Hubbard. Okay. And that picture that I just showed you, the dude with the chick or whatever it was, the person with a uh, whatever that thing is, it's some kind of energy field. That's that graph is supposed to be what, what Jessica was saying about, you know, it's like when you're meditating with other people, there is there does seem to be some sort of a vibration or energy feel or something something that happens that's not just isolated to your own psychology or your own mind that there's 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 something that's happening across you know between the, the collective of the people that is i don't know i guess energetic okay to use to lack of a better term and that's in that part that's what they're they're saying there are studies that say that and i don't know if that graph is what it actually if they were able to graph it like that but you know, that was the basis for why they wanted to do the global coherence initiative. So I just wanted to throw that out there since, since it seems like that's what we're sort of touching on. I, I, heard, I don't know where, but the these theory on, um, you know, vibrations and water and creation, you know, and that they did this experiment in space where they play different musics to, uh, to like water droplets and and they reacted different. Well, the cello, which resembles the, the human voice, um, created a different sort of uh, reaction, you know, to that water droplet. And so, you know, like I, I do think there is something that goes beyond because we are, you know, energy and stuff and it does sound new agey and, you know, but some, some stuff that, you know, that we don't fully understand, but we know it works. <laughs> You know, we know that it's there, and and but you know, and, and I do think these people, everything we know, you know, we know what DARPA, what you know, what these, you know, insidious institutions, you know, capitalist institutions, they don't. We've said this on the show. I think Lipson you said that that they don't leave no uh, stone uh, unturned, <laughs> you know, and, and they will look at everything, and 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 you know, I'm not surprised, you know, that all this shit is in play now and, 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 it's, and it's actually becoming functional in terms of being mediators between, you know, ourselves and, you know, our experience. And I, so what you touched on, I think, I think that the field is called cymatics, uh, where you basically study the, the geometry, the geometric shapes that water takes when certain frequencies are run through it, whether they be sound waves or electrical waves or whatever. Uh, and this relates back to something that I've talked about in the past, on the, I believe, on this show. And I've talked about it on several you know, different shows. I know that. And that is the idea of sacred geometry. And that is what both the te technocratic, you know, uh, bio-eugenic transhumanists have in common with the New Agers who believe in conscious evolution. And that's why as I was sort of talking about before the show, right? You might think of, okay, so the new agers like into like, you know, you know, nature and, you know, they're not into, you know, science and technology, then they're like holistic medicine and herbs and into like pharmacology and all that heavy stuff, right? And they're sort of two different, sort of far apart, right? But what they both have in common is ultimately mass, the mastery of geometry. So, right, if we're talking about 
biochemical evolution, right? We're talking about the geometric shapes of your proteins and amino acids and stuff. And, and, you know, there's something called allotropy, which it's ultimately basically the shape of the different proteins that has them unlock biochemically and have, you know, metabolic reactions, et cetera, right? I mean, that's why it's such a big deal when they figure out the, the structure of the double helix, okay? And the same thing goes for biometrics, right? If you're doing like face, facial recognition scans, right? What, what if, you know, if you ever seen one of the graphs, it's a bunch of triangles, right? It's an aggregate of different angles, right? And if you're looking at the ECGs, I mean, you're still graphing it as they're either gonna be angles and shapes or they're gonna be waves and they're gonna be curved, right? And uh, you could do the, so, so you could do the same thing with sound or energies, right? Whether that be, you know, that graph that, that you see on the on the TV or the, the computer when you have the wearable, right? Theoretically, I, you know, looking at showing you this, I showed you this picture here where the, they have the person and then it's got the energy field, right? A similar wave is coming out and it's either going to be sort of a sharp angular wave or it's going to be a curved wave. And this gets to, the curve and the angle, the square and the compass. This is all Masonic stuff, basically, right? So in the in the square and the compass, you have a G, and the G means several different things. It means gnosis. It means God. It means geometry. It also means generation. Okay, so the square is what you use to create angles, and the compass is what you use to create curved lines. With that, you can basically graph anything in terms of architecture and engineering, but you could also go down to the molecular scale and you can look at how, how molecules form biochemically, how that the biochemical processes relate to the evolution of life. And then you can also think of it in terms of what Barbara Marx Hubbard took from uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who was also, he was a Jesuit eugenicist priest. And he had this idea of the noosphere. And the noosphere is like the, the intelligence of the universe. It's some sort of energy or frequency. And basically it, it sort of, it, it expresses itself in the pinnacle form at this point in time through the human intelligence. And when we finally merge, this is according to Hubbard, when we finally merge with our technologies by using our intellect, we're able to create technologies and then we're able to merge with the technologies. So then we're able to merge with the actual physical material universe. And this is the point at which the universe becomes fully conscious by that noosphere sort of planting a seed in our minds. Then we put it in the technology, then we become the technology, then it comes full circle. Okay, but so basically what one way or another, what you're talking about is mastering, to go back to the square and compass, if you master geometry, you can achieve gnosis, which is just a higher form of consciousness. It's sort of a, an esoteric form of, of knowledge. And by achieving gnosis, you can generate your own reality and you can become your own God. And that is the Gnostic narrative that's used. And I've talked about the Gnostic narrative as well. But that's what that's this 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 image is in my book. Okay, so in the Gnostic, this is Barbara Hubbard. This is her autobiography. It's The Hunger of Eve. So in the Gnostic narrative, they invert the traditional biblical story about what happened in the garden. And so the serpent, Lucifer, approaches Eve and says, why don't you eat this fruit? And she says, no, we can't do that because God says we'll die. He says, no, no, no. He's just saying that because he knows you'll become like him. 
meaning you'll become your own God. So look at what she has here. She's got an apple or a fruit. It's the hunger of Eve. And look what's inside of it. It's the universe. It's a bite taken out of it with the universe inside. Meaning in their narrative, God is the villain. Lucifer is the hero because God kept, the, kept us in the prison. The garden was a prison. And Lucifer, through the fruit of the tree of knowledge, freed us from that prison. And so it's the knowledge of geometry that makes us our own gods. And that's and we achieve that through transhumanism. And that's not just me saying that. That's Ray Kurzweil has said it. People like Yuval Noah Harari has said it. Homo Deus basically means God, man. Okay. And, and I mean, it's, that's the narrative that they have, you know, now. So this goes back to like, you know, do they really believe in a Lucifer as like an entity or is it just an archetype? I don't think it really matters. Right. I'm going with the narrative where, where Lucifer is the bad guy. I mean, like even, even to me, it's, it's fundamentally inverting, you know, to go back to the whole union thing. Archetypally, we all have an idea of good and evil, or at least right and wrong in some degree, right? I mean, like you're taking the fundamental archetype, whether it be psychological or a real spiritual entity, and then just going, yeah, no, that's the good one. I mean, it's basically, you're, it's, it's the equivalent of saying good is bad and bad is good. And, and you know, and so, you know, I mean, I've, I've been a Christian, but it's really studying these type of people that really made me get back into like reading the bible and stuff it, you know and i know that's more of a negative reason than a you know a sort of a proactive reason but it just reinforces you know some some of my roots and so anyways that's so when i add that that picture uh with the the apple uh i think there's something metaphorical to the barcode that's like right there in the middle <laughs> It's on there. I didn't think someone else stuck that, but yeah, that's uh, germane for our discussion. For sure. It's true. <laughs> um, Jessica, do you want to? Oh, hold on. I mean, and then Apple, right? The Apple symbol is an apple with a bite taken out of it for the computer. So there you go. So sorry. I know that's crazy. <laughs> Why does everything come back to just like a cult and Freemasons and <laughs> um? Go ahead, Andy. I, I didn't have any. Well, I think it. For me, I think, Jake, what that does is answers the question. So there's a, always a question that, and I think Kenny kind of got at it earlier as well, which is, what is this? Is this, is this their plan or is this their pitch? You know, is this what they're trying to do or is this their con that they're trying to do? And in some ways, if I listen to you carefully or what I'm thinking you're saying is, of course, it's part of their con, but it's got it. You're saying this that roughly this articulates a kind of belief system that 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 these that our rulers that that inhabit the minds of much of our rulers and and it's like you can find an individual ruler that doesn't exactly believe this, but by and large what you're what you're describing is the ideology of what I would call almost the capitalist class or the ruling class or the oligarchy or the globalists um, and so that I think you're saying no they. This is what they believe. This is what's animating them. They think it will empower them to do this. Whether it can be done is not the point. Um, although I think as they're going to try, but you're saying these folks are intending to do this and there'll be another piece of it that will have it be more like the con, like because you can sell people this thing and make it seem like it's something good for them using it. But it is not all con. There's a piece of it, and in fact, you're saying a large part of it, 
that is very much their belief system made manifest. Yeah, yeah, I know, 100%. I mean, again, you know, if, if we want to call that somehow the new age in a broad term, right, as I just sort of illustrated with sort of two different tributaries, like you could come at it from a different angle. But ultimately, right, what that the end goal is to achieve some sort of godhood, right, whether that be just for the elite that, that you know, that small class, you know, the super class or whatever you want to call them, uh, and sort of, I guess, debate is to say that we don't, we'll all be gods together, right? And you know, and then, and then, you know, uh, and whether or not people believe that these people believe it's an entity or an archetype or it's just a mythology or right, one way or another, they're all using the same language. They're all using the same routes to get there. And you know, so 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 you. Right. We could talk about it as a political system. We could talk about it as an economic system. We could talk about it as a technological system. But what glues the three together and what drives them is the philosophy or the belief system behind it. And that is basically this new age Luciferian Gnosticism where some where we're going to become our own gods. And whether that be the superclass itself is going to become gods and they're going to lord over all of us, you know, plebes or, you know, and then there's sort of some, you know, bait and switch that, you know, the, we'll all be gods, you know, we'll all get to be, you know, reach our human potential together. Uh, you know, I don't know how that all works out at the end. I just know that that's the narrative and you can, you can literally see it in all their, diff, uh, everything that they've written. So, and, and I guess like that to me, so you just mentioned a bunch of people that say this similar things, right? And like, and so then the question is this, are these, so again, like, are they part of, I know they believe, right? But like, are they tools in the process? Like, are these, like, I don't know if I make sense with that question, but. So it sounds like, I wanna say something, I wanna mention something real quick, which is you also mentioned, you talked about imperialism earlier, right? And well, I mean, historically, empires the head of the empire always called himself a god right i mean so again right so there's there's a there's a thread here where this idea of you know what makes you know you, we talked about the you know the atrocities of historical capitalism you've talked about the atrocities of historical communism like stalinism etc right like ultimately like what's the thing that glues them together is imperialism right and as you mentioned it's this it's this dream or this vision that we're going to recreate or reimagine the, the the world and society to use the, the world economic forms language to create something new basically in our own image and you know we, you don't really hear of emperors crowning themselves gods anymore although you hear these technocrats basically use that language but you know it's a long historical arc and that's what they all have in common now the, to go back to your question you just said something to the effect of uh, are they tools? I, it sounds like maybe also what you're asking is, like, do they really believe that it's for the better, or do they, or they, or do they just believe that, you know, they know that they're basically uh, coercing other people to go along with a system that doesn't benefit them? Right. Or the other question I think maybe I'm hearing in that is, do they, are they aware that potentially that they'll do the the outcome will be bad for them as well. Is, is it something, or is it something like that or? I, I really don't know. I just have a question. 
honestly, you're helping me think about the question because I think it's all of that. Like, you know, my first question was about like, you know, like, do they want to be the gods or like either serving the purpose of someone else trying to be the god? Right, right. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about that in a lot of different ways and I don't know that I, have, I really have a clear answer, but I mean, I would, you know, I have to, if I had to pick something, you just assume it and not say, you know, that I've, that I have a fully coherent and cohesive way of, you know, asserting this. And that is that, you know, I would guess that, and maybe it's a mix, but I would guess that at the very top, somebody like the Rockefeller, you know, like the Rockefeller family probably believes that they're going to be gods and, you know, gods have to have, don't, what makes something a god is dominion, right? All uh, absolute dominion over some, you know, realm or creation. Well, in order to do that, you're going to have to have something to have dominion over. And, you know, they already have dominion over all of the resources. The only thing left is the people. So I would guess that people like Rockefeller, you know, uh, believe that they're going to be gods and, and we, we won't be, right? Uh, now, you know, if we, if we move down the, la- the you know, sort of levels, I, you know, someone like Hubbard, I mean, Hubbard had a lot of, you know, her rhetoric sounds very, you know, used the love and light and all this type of stuff. And, you know, uh, I, I, there was people that I, I was contacted by somebody that did some workshops with her, like ran the workshops with her. And he, uh, he, it was, he wanted, wanted to be confidential. It, it was a really nice guy. And, you know, he told, basically told me he didn't, didn't agree with everything, especially some of the stuff that she'd said about uh, overpopulation and, you know, how, how a large number of people need to, you know, basically be, be out of the picture. Um, but what I got from him was that, you know, he, and he said, yeah, you know, I, I could see her basically as, you know, like, like if, if someone asked her to upload her consciousness, you know, like if she, if she could have got a couple more years, he's, you know, and he, not that he knew, but he, he thought that based on what he knew about her, that she would do that, but he, he never, he felt like she, I guess the, the simple way to say it is she had good, it seemed like she had the best of intentions. It seemed like her, from, from his personal interaction with her that she believed that somehow this was going to, this was the next step in our evolution and that it's a, it's the necessity and that people, ha- and that it would be ultimately good for everybody, or at least maybe to the extent that, you know, whoever, that, that, we, that since we have to do this, that if people can't shift consciousness with it, then that's just sort of a, a necessary casualty. But, you know, as I, I, you know, my sort of rebuttal to that was, you know, okay, like, you can you can have the best of intentions and you can you can think that it's for the better of everybody but you know the road to hell is paved in good intentions to use a cliche so i mean your intentions don't quite matter right and so um so i you know i i would i would guess there's probably a range depending on you know where you're at in the in the pyramid and like how much faith do you actually have in technology and you know, but I would think that, I mean, just looking historically at the Rockefeller family funding, you know, Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Anthropology, Human Heredity and Eugenics, which was, you know, doing Nazi eugenics stuff, right? I mean, these people have very little moral scruples, right? I mean, and I know that, you know, David Jr. is not, you know, John D. the third or whatever, but, you know, uh, 
you don't you don't um, you don't stay in you don't amass that fortune and then still have an inordinate influence on geopolitics for <laughs> over a century by changing you know uh, by all of a sudden growing a, a moral compass right so I don't know that's that's sort of how I would how I'd wager now you know y'all I guess we also suggested like you know do they do they not think that this won't backfire that it won't turn out you know that they won't be on the it won't be bad for them as well right um i think that's just that's that's a necessary wager that they uh that you know it's just something that they that they have to they, it's a risk they have to take right and, and and hubbard in her book she repeatedly talks about uh one of the books is our crisis is a birth oh here it is okay yeah, our crisis is a birth and she goes through this whole thing about and she does it in many of her books but it's the idea that as consciousness evolves we reach these inflection points and there's a crisis that happens and the crisis is a moment where we either are going to shift and evolve or destroy ourselves and so for her it's like well we're already at the crisis now we just gotta push through and we gotta we gotta evolve to the next level otherwise you know we're gonna be overpopulated and uh, wars are gonna ravage the earth and blah 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 so you know at, at one level it's like I guess not only do they think it's a, a risk that's worth taking in order to achieve the next stage of evolution, I guess they also believe that it's a risk that's unavoidable. Right? And in that is some sort of, you know, that's, I guess, if there's any, if they have any sort of moral justification, that, I guess that's what, what drives them. But I, I would just come back to the whole thing that's in the Bible at the beginning, which is that, what is the, the serpent Lucifer says, hey, why don't you eat this so you can become a god? And Eve says, no, because God says we'll die if we do that. I, it seems to also suggest that another way to read it is that the pursuit of godhood or the, the, the attempt to become your own god can only result in your death, right? Whether that just be right in your own in your own spiritual moral walk or in the collective evolution of humanity, right? And, you know, we talk about not just transhumanism, but posthumanism. There's only one other way that we use the root to that word, and that's when we say posthumous or posthumous, meaning dead. So it's like, it's almost like, you know, again, it's like, it's a way, it's a risk it's worth taking, but then, you know, you, you have to wonder if, uh, if, if there's, if there's a, a, another, uh, sort of division or, or or branch of these people that you know, for lack of a better terms, basically is like a death call as a death wish, and like you know what I mean, like like in in there's a space trilogy by C.S. Lewis, and uh, it's really interesting. I won't get you know, I won't digress too much, but like the 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 head bad guy, we'll just call him, basically wants to he calls it shaving and cleaning. The universe and what that means is to get rid of all organic life right and like to him he's like that's like taking a shave right you got all this like stuff growing on you it's you know it's, you know but you want to be clean right so you want to get rid of it all so it's like you know at the at the at, at sort of the pinnacle of this this sort of transhuman evolution where we merge with computers like are we just computers right like is there any like you know at some point i guess you know you're like a cable and x-men and you got like a you know eyeball and a, and a glove or something but at, at some point you know 
maybe that's maybe that's the the end result that some of them want is basically just to be done with the human species as it is. Jessica, do you want to weigh in on anything, or do you want to have final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I guess I just continue to be astounded at the arrogance of mm -hmm. people like Hubbard, like good intentions, bad intentions, whatever, like just with this whole pursuit of God godhood. Um, and I find it especially gross because she's, it seems like, I mean, I don't know anything really beyond what I read in your article, Jake, but that she's often kind of framed as like the sort of um, like midwife of the the new age. I think that was like Marion Williamson or someone who called her that on the book cover in your article. Um, so it's like this weird, like making it like warm and maternal, but so much of, you know, the whole God premises. Yeah, that's right. She and Marion Williamson's buddies with her. But yeah, like just this idea that like, just their disdain for the human animal body. The creature condition or whatever, and mm -hmm. the the arrogance that like they think they can do better than like your real central nervous system, mm -hmm. which we don't even understand like the full miracles of the body. Like you think you can do better than like our natural immune system, our like ecosystem, right? Like none of these think tanks and foundations, like none of them ever have like a real you know actual environmental sustainability plan like all this tech and shit like that's always just like left out or just like painted over with greenwashing but um but yeah it's just like they hate they hate like real embodiment yeah 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 i uh you know uh it's 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 funny uh i mean you don't even have to like I always say, like, okay, like, maybe you don't believe in God or anything spiritual, okay? Like, then you should be even more concerned about people that want to become gods, right? Like, like, if what, like, if you believe in God, then it's, you know, you're basically, you're trying to become this, you know, this ultimate entity, right? Omni, omniscient, omnipresent, I guess not omnibenevolent, but, right, this, this all-powerful being, right? But, if you don't believe in God, then you're trying to basically become a, some sort of fictitious, you know, creation in thought in your own mind. But I mean, it, like anybody, whatever the improvements they want to sell us on, you know, you know, whatever it be, you know, you get to, you know, calm yourself down with the wearable or, you know, the, the brain chip maybe has some medical uses for people with seizures and things like that. Okay. That's, you know, let's, let's, we could talk about these and like, as like what they do for particular issues. The, the minute someone starts trying to sell these things on you by, and then we'll become gods. I'm pretty sure that should be like a red flag. Right. I mean, like, and you know, I, I got like new agey friends that like have said like, yeah, we're, we're yeah, we're all gods. We can we can all create. We only, like, dude, like you can hardly pay your bills, man. Like you know what I mean? Like I mean, like I I, I get sort of the analogy you're trying to make, right? But at this, it was kind of going into the realm of the equivocation fallacy there, right? And like you know, can. Like, let's just get the human thing down right first, right? Like, I'm not saying that I'm open to talking about God stuff later, but like, 
you know, like you just said, like, can we like just like figure out how to get the natural immune system to work with like, you know, you know, diet and exercise and things before we go use its synthetic RNA and things like that? Like, can we get the human thing down right first? And, you know, I remember Kenny said something in the past, probably a couple times, right? Like it was emphasizing sort of like this, um, you know, in, in transhumanism, this push to to, to do away with everything that's flawed in the human creature, right? And like, basically, I mean, you know, this is something that's uh, sort of fundamental to the human potential movement, right? Again, you know, Maslow thought of these ideas in terms of like, well, we can't just constantly focus on our flaws. We got to focus on something that's good about us, right? And, you know, but it's, it's part of the same dialectic ultimately, right? Like, because there's not, there's no humility in there's never a part where you just accept like, yeah, you know, I mean, I get irritated sometimes, you know, or I, you know, I'm impetuous. I, you know, I put my foot in my mouth sometimes, or, you know, I eat too much chocolate occasionally. I have an extra beer, whatever it is, right? Like there's, there's never a point where it's just like, this is good enough, right? Like, this is good enough. We'll just have grace for each other. And like, you know, we'll be humans and sort of try to, you know, do that, you know? And, and so that whole, that whole push towards, evolution towards human potential i mean it's 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 and this is why i was sort of earlier suggesting that you know well what are the values that we're evolving towards or what are the values that are at the top of the potential because if we don't get that clear and if they're not something that's archetypal either from god or just from nature or that's right something objective that we can we can all experience and agree to like you leave it open to you know sort of, you know, this whole transhumanist movement and all these other corporate government movements. And at the end of the day, you're not actually moving towards something. You're really just constantly moving away from the, the flaws, right? It's sort of, you know, it's very, you know, it's the, the term is transhuman, but it's, it's you know, it's very anti-human. It's, it's very much about constantly not being satisfied with, the, with whatever flaws you wanna, we have as humans. And, and trying to perfect that through these through these technologies, right? And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm always like laugh reading these things because it's like, if you want to overcome like the physical lack of like this species, like why don't you like take fluoride out of the water or like work <laughs> on like obesity or something? Like there's there's ways to like direct your energy, but no, it's like you gotta fucking upload your consciousness of the cloud i should just note real quick i mean since we sort of touched on it so you know she was funded hubbard was funded by um uh lawrence rockefeller who's one of the uh, four rockefeller brothers his brothers john d the third i think uh winthrop and nelson were the others and he uh he funded her but he also had a uh a venture capital firm called Venrock. It was originally called Rockefeller Brothers Inc., but now it's called Venrock. And one of the things that they funded was a company called Cerna Therapeutics. Cerna is spelled S-I-R-N-A. And they were developing, I don't know if they still exist, but at least at some point, they were developing, quote, RNA interference technology. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's, exactly what's you know what they're using during and Pfizer but they were you know he was funding some of the early uh developments in terms of synthetic RNA technology so you know 
Well, I mean, gene editing is like fundamental to all of this. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then he's, so there's several other, what is it? Uh, so he funded Unity Biotechnology, Element Biosciences, Regenex Bio, 10X Genomics, Targeted Genetics, the Genetics Institute, and then some of these companies uh, are owned by or connected to some of the big pharma companies that were been working on uh, the jabbies, so Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson, uh, two of them. So, Kenny, it seemed like you wanted to say something. Yeah, well, Jake stole my shit, but about his action and things like that. But I mean, you know, this is one of the reasons that I'm an adamant enemy of capitalism, you know, because it's constantly has to revolutionize, right? That's something Marx said, like, you know, shit, keep moving. Tell us more, 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 more. It's never less, you know, it's never less. So it's more, 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 something different. And, you know, it's obviously different than, I'm also don't want to romanticize the feudal order, which we've talked about, right? Like how this process is weirdly like coming full circle into that time like a, a techno-feudal uh, order of things, in a, you know. And so I'm not romanticizing that either, which seems that that's what I hear in that quote, right? You won't own nothing and you'll be happy. You know, I don't buy that either. You know, like when I talked about, you know, going back to fundamentals, right? Like I don't talk about going back to a feudal order or slavery or, you know, or, a, you know, something more human, right? Like something more basic. And I, I, and it will take some modernity, right? It will, you know, like not everyone's gonna give up everything, and you know that's a, a puzzle for me, right? Uh, what I do know is that the people that are ruling, that are selling out these lies, this constant dissatisfaction, desperation, you know, and and control over our lives. What I do know for a fact is that, you know, I don't want to follow them, I, I, because the, what I see is a cliff you know, at the end of all this, uh, and, you know, we've talked about war, world war, you know, and there may be disagreements in some ways, but, uh, you know, I, I, all I know is that I don't want to follow them. I don't want them to decide for me. You know, I, I don't want them to keep giving me more misery because that's all I see, you know, by and large. And I do see the resilience of humans, you know, in, in things, you know, we are adaptable in, and yes, you know, like I also think like they think they have control of things and it will backfire. That's my hope, at least. That's why I believe in revolution. What shape takes afterwards? Well, we have to learn our lessons, you know. We have to learn our lessons about following cults, following blindly, you know. Also, that's why I believe in, in, in power spread over a bunch of people, not over a few people, because we'll end up in the same shit. Call it whatever fucking system you want, you know, and, and I don't want that. You know, that's what I call myself a socialist communist, but not state dictation, not the people, not what really most Marxist social people that claim socialism think that socialism is state owning everything and just partialing that out to you. That's not the world I envision. The world envisions a world, you know, organizing, created and run collectively, you know, and by individuals who are free to do whatever the fuck they want. You know, obviously there's problems, there will be problems. You know, I don't have the exact roadmap. What I do know is that I don't want this shit. You know, whether it's called communism, because I lived in fucking Nicaragua, who calls themselves Christians, a revolutionary socialists. They're fucking mad. I, you know, I was close to the, you know, people in power. 
you know, and, and so like, I guess I do in some ways, uh, ironically, I do, I'm asking for people to become their, you know, uh, like, uh, like, what do you call, um, come in control of their own lives, their own thoughts, their own ideas, you know, and, and, and also expose them because that's what I do is, right? Like uh, this show, that's what I talk to people. That's what we have to talk to people because sometimes our own shit is crazy and wrong, you know, and collect, I believe, I do believe in a collective, you know, um, kind of uh, synthesis of knowledge, you know, in, in, in accountability if, if it is collective, you know, in, um, in, and, and, and so again, that's, that's why I hate capitalism. That's why, I, and I see, you know, things, uh, I, I, I think I have a degree of understanding of power and how corruptive it is, you know, for any human, <laughs> like, you know, like it's intoxicating. And, you know, again, I, I, I personally, that's, that's what I work towards, you know, that's what I do this show, this is what I talk to you. And this is why I expose myself to ideas that I'm not supposed to. This is why I think outside the, the culty, you know, and, and I, you know, and that is, I guess, my contribution. And I just urge people have confidence to have an opinion, to think, to discuss, you know, and not to defer to experts that might be in a fucking cult, <laughs> you know, and, and, and not even know it because they have good intentions. So I was reading this article about people that go to the Hamptons and they're injecting themselves with uh, Botox in the bladder so, because, so they can withstand the drive to the Hamptons because traffic is becoming really bad. So like, I don't want to be that kind of person, you know, like, because the next step to me is like, they're going to genetically modify themselves to not pee, right? Because it's an inconvenience. You know? And like, I don't want to live in that world. Like I'll piss if I have to piss anywhere. So. Can you believe that people used to urinate back in the day? I mean, talk about a backward species. I mean, what were they thinking? On that note, <laughs> Well, Jake, thank you very much for uh, coming back. It's been a while, so it's good to have you back. Um, hopefully, maybe three or four weeks from now, we'll do something else. Um, I know you're going to do a second part, follow up this article, um, and talk about sort of the connection. People had mis misgivings about, oh, maybe these people mean well. You're going to talk about their connections to, uh, you know, what were the pedophilia rings and... Yeah, the Malthusian stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah like Malthusian, Malthusian stuff. Malthusian. Yeah, eugenics, eugenics, and so you know. And I know that the person. Anyway, I don't want to get into it, but um, I should. We should get done. Um, anyway, thank you, Jake, for being here um, and for sharing this. Yes. Um, so that does it for this week's episode. What's left is a political, as a weekly political podcast channel, challenge the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this blog, and we'll have Jake's episode um, or Jake's article on, on the notes below. Um, you can reach our blog at what-s-left.webnode.com, and you can find past episodes to the podcast channel there and connect with us. Uh, our people, if you like anything you've heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications to any of our eight platforms or nine platforms on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. Um, and if you'd have any com comments you want to make or any things you want to share with us, please do so 
and put it below in the episode. Um, so for Andy and Jessica and Kenny and Jake again, thank you for being here. Um, that's it for this week. And uh, we'll see what we have to bring you next week. I've got half a mind to like buy a uh, buy an old Nintendo emulator and just sit around and play video games from when I was like in grade school for like a month straight and just I've been, check out from all this uh, heavy reading, writing, speaking, yeah. recording, interviewing, teaching, grading. <laughs> I recommend it. I'm I've been playing some video games myself actually, like that are kind of connected to childhood stuff that I used to play. So I can see that I'm trying to revert backwards. I was going to ask you all that. Well, I know we're getting off topic. This is not, oh my God, I edit this, but I was like, I wonder how many other people, because it's just the way the world has gone in the last few years, like are having this experience where they're like wanting to relive these childhood things. They want to go back in time and get out of this new, new normal that we're going to talk about in a minute here. What would you say, Jessica or Kenny? I'm curious. Well, I think overall that's totally true, but it is interesting. We should do a video game episode sometime because I would love to hear everybody's like stands because I, I fucking hate them. Like I hate video games, like on a soul level. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it's like hard to justify that position. My partner loves them. But. <laughs> you said you were awesome at Tetris though. That's yeah, the one that exception. Was, no, that's like a computer game. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I guess it was originally. It was uh, my experience with it comes off. And the I actually, I don't know that I would say I enjoy it. I just, I used to be really good, like okay. really good at it. But it, when you're like playing it all the time, it messes with your brain. Mm. I can see how it. <laughs> it's a slippery slope to get from there to. You know, uh, yeah, I used to go to if I played it long enough, I go to bed at night. When I close my eyes, I was yeah, you'll see them as much. (laughs) Yeah, next up, Barbara Hubbard. So, (laughs) for me, I I always I I had a different experience growing up because I was in Central America, you know, and getting access to technology was harder. So my relationship with technology started later in life, and like I've never been like the best gamer, but you know. Once I got a handle of technology, you know, it took a grip of me. And, you know, so, but going back for me means going to play soccer on the street with my friends, you know, or, mm-hmm. or building some shit with like a skateboard and like going down the hill and running into cargo boxes. Have you, any, have you had any urges to skateboard or play soccer recently? Oh, yeah. I mean, like just be active, you know, and, and like interacting with people. I think that's that's my craving. And, barbecuing that, that's kind of what i crave and okay. I, got, I don't have a console anymore so i don't really care but i want to get that, my phone <laughs> add that to the list jessica video game episode okay yeah <laughs> all right let's see where was it all right to the metaverse we should get a vr setting <laughs> oh, <God>. then <laughs> jessica will be right so <laughs> i plan on defending I, I don't go past the Nintendo 8-bit or maybe a little bit of Super Nintendo. That's it. I'm done. I, I end after that. Mm. Um, 